You ready? Ready to go. All right, you ready? Go ahead. Hello, everybody from our luxurious studios. With our producer, Matt Strauss, I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Wayne Carini, and we're talking classic cars. Guys, I'm pretty excited because this week we have a very cool guest, good friend of all of ours, Ray Evernham, crew chief of the decade, NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee. What a guy. And I'll tell you, there can't be a nicer man in the world either. Um, you know, Ray's just a, a gentleman and he's married to a spectacular lady um, that is a, a race car driver herself. That's how they met. And so, uh, and that continues in their family. He's got so much to bring to us. Um, I can't wait to have him on, but we need to talk about something first. And what's that? And there's something about a good-looking battery. When you open the hood on your car, let's say it's a classic car or a sports car or whatever, and you open the hood and that battery is sitting there. And if, it, if it's from maybe some of the chain stores, something like that, it doesn't have the same effect. Um, it, it, it's, it's sort of disconcerting a little bit. You say, wait a minute. They drop the ball on the battery. I mean, yeah. everything else looks so perfect with the battery. So that's where Continental Battery Company comes in. You know, they're making great batteries since 1932, um, supplying batteries to every type of industry uh, and cars also, and, and making a beautiful looking battery that performs just unbelievably. It's got great cranking power. That's what you need sometime in these cars with high compression is that cranking power to start it up. Is Continental Battery mainly doing classic car batteries, or are they doing modern cars, or what's their kind of focus on the car batteries? They're doing every type of battery. We're focusing on classic car batteries, trying to bring those, get them a little more aesthetically pleasing. I agree. I'm glad they're doing this, because there's not a lot of options out there, to be honest with you. You end up sort of throwing in the towel, and like you said, running to the chain store and just dropping a Group 24 battery in the car, not thinking about it. And you say, well, if I had a better alternative that had the performance, I'd do it. So there's Continental Battery for you. Continental Battery, been around since 1932. Make sure you check them out at continentalbattery.com. We need to move on to our guest today, who we're so excited. We mentioned him earlier. It's Mr. Ray Evernham joining us now. Well, uh, first of all, thanks, Ray. I'm glad you're spending some time with us today. It's great to see you again, my friend. Well, Jay, just to, to, to be able to hang out with you and, and Wayne and now me, Matt, on a Friday is a pretty cool deal. You know, this uh, this new technology is is really something else. We used to have to, you know, back when you and I and Wayne first started, we used to have to drive these Model T's across the country to, <laughs> to see each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of when you and I first met. And I, I think you and I and Wayne, I think the meeting place for all three of us was Amelia Island Concord many years ago. Um, I, myself as a judge, I think Wayne bringing cars and Ray, you is really uh, a person that has so much involvement with that Concord over the years that that. You know, Bill Warner has this way of bringing all these great car people together. So um, that, that's when we met. And then, of course, I was working on Cars 3 back then and, and sort of realized you would be such a great conduit for us to kind of learn about NASCAR as we were working on the movie. And so you and I sort of started a friendship as we were doing some research for that film together. Yeah, it was, you know, it, 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 it's been a bit, but I, I've got to tell you, you know, I, I was like a fan of Wayne's and I watched his shows so many times, even over and over and over again, because, you know, Wayne, to me, is probably have the coolest car show on television, and he's a guy you want to hang out with. But I'd watched it so much that my wife became a huge fan. And this is a lady, you know, she's like, you know, she gets to hang out with, you know, indie racers and NASCAR racers and 
people that said so we're walking along at amelia island and she gets excited like well there's wayne wayne carini so uh, we always kid uh aaron's been the biggest wayne carini fan and one day we just uh we were up visiting some folks in connecticut and just showed up at wayne's shop and he was very gracious uh to host us and and uh gentleman that he is and we've been friends since yeah well that was that was a great day you know i i'm in my office on the telephone and i'm talking to somebody i said wait a minute, that looks like Ray Everham walking around in my show. What is he doing here? And so I said, I got to go. Hung the phone up and, and we spent the afternoon together. It was just a lot of fun. And and of course, Aaron's just the sweetest lady in the world and uh, and the most competitive lady in the world too. So you you don't want to get the sweetness involved with, the, with getting in her way on the racetrack. I can tell you that. <laughs> Ray, what were you doing in that part of the country? Oh, well, Aaron from up that way her, her uh, family lives in wilbraham mass and she raced up and down there you know quite a bit up all the new york area but you know believe it or not there's uh you know some some good racers and the sports people that have come out of the wilbraham uh, mike stefanik who who was just honored in the nascar hall of fame uh legendary modified racers right from there from wilbraham so when i go up that way you know we'll go visit some car shops there's some incredible fabricators in great places so wayne's place was just a little more than an hour away and we went up there um beautiful little town Wayne's, and we had some lunch up there and you know great place and wandered around uh, wandered around his shop and bugged him for the afternoon <laughs> so jay i didn't know if you knew this but aaron uh grew up just at the foot of the wilbraham hill climb which was very famous started back in the 20s probably the teens ray even and and it was the test hill for the indian motorcycle um how they used to test them going up the hills and then also um rolls royce uh stevens durier so wilbraham and the center of town has this big hill that starts right right at the base of of the town and goes up and uh it's about a mile and a half hill up and boy i'll tell you what it's it's very competitive uh we had that on our on our show once and well, may, maybe what we ought to do is get one of our old cars because it's for a very early, early cars. And so maybe uh-huh. what we ought to do is I'll, I'll get out uh, maybe uh, my Pierce Arrow or something like that. And then we'll drive the same car and see who gets the best time. That's probably the best. That's probably the best bet. That'll save me a lot of time and money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always want to talk to Ray about racing because he truly has his hand on the pulse and everything in the racing world. Where he thinks things are going with NASCAR, obviously there's been a lot of changes lately. They've really trying to change up a lot of things in NASCAR and how much you think of it is just flash and pomp and circumstance and how much of it do you think is really effective things that they're doing in the racing world. So I just love your thoughts on that. Those are really good, good questions, um, Jay. And I thought, you know, obviously about the NASCAR thing, which I'll get into, uh, uh, you know, in a minute. But we, you know, I talk, hey, you know, talk about racing and, you know, some, some of the things that you, you don't read in the paper or don't dig down into or kind of things I'd like to talk about. And, you know, for me, as a major fan of of this guy, I think one of the biggest things that that are actually going on in the racing world is what Jimmy Johnson's doing. You know, he's one of our greatest champions in NASCAR, seven-time champion, spent his whole career like one of the greatest drivers ever. Only he, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, have won seven championships. And he gives all that up in his late 40s and decides he's going to go race a bunch of 20-year-old guys in Indy cars. Uh, it, in, in last year, really, you know, Took a beating on the road courses and went to learn the the you know went to went to learn the the trade and now he's moved into the ovals. Uh, he's done really well, you know, going going to Texas and, and ran well, and he's at Indy where where he's having a you know a great time running really fast. And I just find it really amazing that a 
that, that a champion like that is willing to step aside of one, he was top, top of that, go all the way to the bottom in another extremely competitive form of motorsport and now um, attacking, you know, one of the, obviously, you know, one of the most historical speedways in the world, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And the effort that he puts in just amazes me. The guy, you know, his physical preparation. I went out to, to Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, which was an incredible event. If you get, I mean, Long Beach is an incredible event. I know that, that you were there. But I spoke to him, and it was like speaking to a rookie. You know, he's in the meetings, and he's, he's looking at the simulation, and he's talking to this, talking to that. Unfortunately, involved in a crash, breaks, breaks his hand, get, gets operations on that, you know, um, finishes the race anyway, and, and then, you know, gets ready to go to Indy. So w- when I look at the racing world, one of the big stories that are happening, I think, okay, Jimmy Johnson now taking a shot at the Indy 500 this year is big to me. Well, that's, you know, it's pretty similar when you go to the 500, that's sort of like going to Talladega almost is that you hold the throttle wide open all the time and it, and it's a game of nerves. I mean, you know, how close can you get to that wall? You know, um, I've been there and been out on turn three and four standing right next to the fence. And I'll tell you what, you, you, you really don't understand how fast and how gutsy these guys are until you stand out there on that fence and see how close they're coming up to the fence and just flat out. I mean, they're not lifting that foot off that gas pedal at all. And so for him, he's got a little bit of knowledge as to do that because, you know, uh, driving ovals in NASCAR, I'm sure has really helped him. But, you know, pretty, as you said, Wade, pretty impressive. You don't realize how fast 225 miles per hour. And they say, oh, you know, racing is a game of inches. Well, in that world, it's, it's a game of thousands. You know, it's a game of thousands to be able to, you know, to understand the aerodynamics and then, yeah, you know, and, and to make a change, totally different feel of, um, even though, even though Jimmy's a great racer, totally different feel in the cars, the aerodynamics, how you drive them, you know, how you have to position your, your yourself and your mindset. So again, that, that, you know, to me, that's one of the amazing things going on in the sport. And then as far as NASCAR, I, I'll tell you what, th- this new car that they've done, this, this new car. I, I think it's turned out to be a brilliant move. A couple of weeks ago, the same car that won at Coda, uh, won at Talladega with Ross Chastain. They said that they want to bring in new owners. Well, Justin Marks is doing great, you know, as, as a car owner. Now he's won two races this year. And you, the, the cars have been competitive. Uh, they've had some really hard hits, so the cars have proven that they're safe. But the fact that you can take the same car that ran a road course and go win Talladega with it, it is going to... I don't think it's ever going to cut the expenses, right? Once you, once you've spent the money, you're spending the money. But what it will do is keep that curve from from rising at a sharper rate, which will keep the cost of racing down. I think it will bring new manufacturers into the sport. The TV ratings have been amazing. TV ratings have been higher than uh, on an average since uh, 2016. So I, I think that uh, you know NASCAR, you got to give them credit. I, I think that they they they've hit the sweet spot. With, with this new car and, and hopefully it continues. Yeah. I think that they needed a little boost, a little something new, um, you know, uh, the wheel going on and off with one nut. Now, um, the wheels look really great going on the car. I mean, you know, uh, and the cars look fantastic. And then, and then there's, there, it seemed to be a lot safer, um, during collisions and stuff, they don't seem to be flying apart like they did, uh, of course, when it was a tubular chassis, just with some very thin aluminum metal on it. Um, now they're sort of holding together a lot better, I think. It's a well-designed car, uh, Wayne. And I think you're right. 
the, you know, NASCAR can't walk away from the, their history and tradition, but ultimately they needed to move into the new gen, right? That they wanted to, to move, they, they needed to move into using design and science and things like that, which is a shame because it takes the personality out. For guys like me, you know, I like to build stuff and do whatever, but ultimately where the sport's going, they needed to move in, 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 in that design and, and they've done that. So now, you know, I, I always, I, I kid Jeff Gordon, you know, and then some of the guys, I said, yeah, the only, now this one nut holding the wheel it used to be just one nut behind the wheel, you know, and that, and that, that was you. but it, it, uh, I look at motorsports and some of the things that are happening and I think, okay, you know, it's, it needs, it needs to be shook up once in a while, you know, like formula one, it needs to be shook up. NASCAR needs to be shook up. IndyCar needs to be shook up because that's what creates interest, right? If, if you're into what, what's going to happen, like, if you know, what's going to happen, why are you going to watch, you know? Well, this Ross Chastain coming and doing so well, I think is really positive, um, you know, because usually it's the top 10 guys and the top 10 teams. And, and all of a sudden this guy comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, winning one race was an accomplishment, a huge accomplishment, but two and winning Talladega. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and he's, he's a watermelon farmer. So it's like, yeah. what a, you know, now everybody's going to be looking to hire watermelon farmers. <laughs> <laughs> well, he used to be a chicken farmer from Texas, you know, and, and yeah. Carol Shelby now, now watermelon farmers. Ray, you were talking about Jimmy Johnson and, and and somebody at this point in their life that had mastered one science and then, you know, one discipline and moving to another and and doing the hard work. I, I you know, you are you you're such a humble human being. You've done that. When I look at what you did with Pike's Peak and that impressed me like like nothing else, that you built a car uh, from scratch, from your own designs, from your own mind. And you race the car. And one of the most deadly things you can do for people that don't know, Pike's Peak is a no joke scenario going up a hill where there is it is life or death if you miss the turn. And you did that and did quite well in it. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about what that was like for you, because that was definitely out of your normal sphere of influence to be at Pike's Peak. And I was super impressed. I appreciate that. You know, when you do things and people like us and Wayne, you know, with cars and, you you, you know, you, Jay, with cars and, and with movies, it's. It's that challenge. And sometimes it's really about the challenge to yourself. And when we did Pike's Peak, I really, I wanted to understand if I really had the ability as a driver that I thought I had, or the ability as a designer, and could I do that and, and take that, you know, again, that was a challenge to myself and, you know, certainly didn't win Pike's Peak overall, but went up there as a rookie, set a good time. We won, we won our class, you know, the, the ghost has become a little bit of a legendary car because of it. And, and those things meant a lot to me because sometimes, uh, and you guys know this from being in the media a lot, you know, people are telling you about how they love you and, and how great you are and all the great things you can do. But sometimes you just got to know yourself. Can I really, it, do I have that kind of, of depth? And Pike's Peak was almost a spiritual accomplishment for me because it, it really does. They, they say the mountain decides. And when you go up there, you're not going to go up there and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, you go up there with respect, you know, you pay attention, you listen to the locals, you listen to the people with history, you know, guys like Jeff Swart and people like, like that, who have been up and down that, 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 that thing a bunch. And you, you follow the mountains rules and you better give your, if you want to excel, you better give your, your best effort. And when I look back at that, 
I would say that with everything I've done, you know, I drove the modifieds and the sprints and the late models and all kinds of stuff, but that was probably the single uh, biggest accomplishment for me, not only behind the wheel, you know, that, that was my, you know, my, your own crew chief, your own car designer, your own guy, I had had my, a great team of, of support, but once you, you buckle in that thing, and I always tell everybody, you know, when you roll up there to do Pikes Peak, you, you don't ever get to run the whole mountain until race day. You know, you do it in sections, and one of the lower sections is qualifying, and you're really being careful. Like, you're just being careful because you know that if you run off in the rocks or you, you flip the car over something, you're done. So I was pretty careful, you know, the whole time. And uh, I, knew we, I knew we were a lot faster than we were showing, but I wasn't pushing it. And we worked, worked, worked. But you, you roll like you wait your turn and you really got to qualify in the top 24, 25 to get a good run up the mountain because heck, it starts snowing by one, two o'clock in the afternoon, right? So you, you, you can't, you can't run too late. So you're, you know, you're waiting to go and you're, you know, I slept in my car on the mountain the night before because I didn't want to fight the traffic getting in. I didn't want to be distracted. I went around and, and bummed coffee and donuts from fans. They're like, Hey, I say, Hey, can but you, you know, so it was, it was a great experience. But when you, you roll in there, you get all buckled in, you get your oxygen on and all that stuff, and you're in line, and you roll up into this little square. And a guy comes over and he checks all your safety stuff. And there's a starter with a LED in front of you. And he looks at you and gives you a thumbs up. And if you give him the, the nod, he hits a button and it starts counting. Ten, nine, eight. You know, because when it hits zero, you go. You're going to break them timers and you're on the clock and you're sitting there. And when that thing hits about seven, you know, you're almost, you're almost ready to put it in reverse and back out of there. You're like, no, I'm going to stop. But it went six foot. And about four, I reached over and I cranked the oxygen up another notch to put it in first gear. And, you know, then, then there's, there's nobody on the radio. You know, there, there's no yellow flags. There's no pit stops. You know, there's, there's, there's you in the mountain and, down on the bottom, you know, there's fans and stuff like that. And they're, they're, they're cheering and, and it's really cool. But once you break through the clouds, I mean, there's, there's nothing. You may pass a gopher or a donkey or something like that, but then you realize, okay, like, look, it's me in the mountain. I got to get this done. And, and it's, uh, I said, it, it's an incredible experience. I, I, I would recommend it to anybody in motorsports to try and go and experience it sometimes because there's only, there's only two real places the open road I call right now, right? There's only two unrestricted places in the world for the hot rider, guys like us, right? Bonneville and Pikes Peak. That's it. You know, that's, you know, you know when I say that, it could be El Mirage, could be, but you're either going speed, land speed type deal at a place like Bonneville, or you're going up Pikes Peak. Those are the only two places you can really say, I can build a car in my garage, it's run what you brung, and test my own talent. Going up Pikes Peak, a lot of people don't know Pikes Peak or have never seen it. You you put a wheel off and you're gone. Um, so it's 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 a treacherous course and you have to have nerves of steel and you have to have confidence within yourself. And I think you really showed that and and the confidence to go from one type of racing to another type of racing and have the confidence that you could you could really do it. There's so, so many cool things happen up there in the rookie meeting. I'm like the oldest rookie, right? But the guy standing up there is like. Gentlemen, there's 157 corners you have to negotiate to get to the top of this mountain. You know, 12 of those will kill you. And I was like, uh, 
are those clearly marked? <laughs> you know, like, wait, you know, it's not what I, wait a minute, you know, because you're thinking, you know, like there's signs, there'd be like the sign of, of the Grim Reaper going, <laughs> slow down, you know, but yeah. you know, they, they assign you with a, a, a mentor and James Robinson uh, from uh, Acura, the NSX group, he, he was a great, great uh, mentor to me. And they, they, you know, they, they really talked to you about, hey, look, this is not a joke. Well, you know, we, we, you, you cannot put yourself in a position to overdrive, overextend. You have to stay within your limits. And, uh, and they really work with you closely when you go up there as a rookie. See, Ray, there, there's actual footage of you going up the hill, right? There's actually a YouTube video from your, from your car going up the hill just so people can see how insane that is. Yeah, my whole in-car, uh, we had a, you know, GoPro inside the car. So my whole in-car um, is up there. And you could see I got in trouble a couple of times. Um, you know, once down low, that was just not too bad. But once up top, you know, you're running around, uh, we came around the corner up there. And, and what we, what you don't realize is that it was uh, about 80 degrees when I left the bottom. And it was snowing when I got to the top. So you're losing tire temperature. And, you know, the air's getting so thin, you're losing downforce. And, you know, one section up uh, as we were getting the great, great name sections like Devil's Playground and Bottomless Pit, you know, like so Red Route Devil's Playground. I thought I was actually getting a flat tire, but I had just lost rear grip. And the ghost had so much power that it would just the tires would break loose. So it jumped pretty sideways, uh, pretty sideways uh, coming around where there was about a 3000 foot drop off. And when I looked up in the mirror, I saw the dust and I was like, that was a close one, you know, but it was, uh, yeah. So, it, but, but again, then, then you just gotta, you gotta just stop and, and back it down, not get out too far over your skis, as they say. I would say it's probably a little like skiing. I mean, you know, you, you have to be in control, but yet you have to be on the edge at the same time. And, and, yeah, and that, you don't want to be like that guy on the old wide world of sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going to Bonneville is the same thing. You just have to be within yourself and, and know what your limits are and what the limit of your car is. I mean, I was with George Poteet last year out of Bonneville and I was running my own car. Bill Warner ran. Unfortunately, our transmission broke on the first run, but I was there rooting for George Poteet. Now he's in the speed demon. He wants to go 500 miles an hour. So as he got in the car, he put, put his helmet on. I said, well, good luck, George. He says, I don't need no luck. I just need to go 500. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, even, a, even a, a qualified guy like George, things do happen. There's all sorts of things that you'll learn, even if, even if you're really, you think you're the best. There's always something to learn. I watched more television and saw you on my TV in NASCAR races with what you were doing with Jeff and how you guys just, you, you controlled that sport for so long. I mean, because it was such a great team. I mean, you two guys just were fantastic together. And with your knowledge of, of setting a car up right and doing all this stuff and Jeff working, I'm sure, so closely with it, you're, you guys were the best. You know, I tell everybody, we were the best in our era, right? You know, Richard Petty and Dale Edmond were, were the best in their ear. Richard Childress and Dale Earnhardt, you know, and then, you know, Jeff Gordon and I, you know, that was a special bond. And we were really fortunate that the, the team was bonded like that. You know, the Rainbow Warriors, that was a special, special uh, group of people. And Jeff had an incredible ability to describe what the race car was doing so I could fix it. And, and, and he and I, you know, they say great relationships are built on trust, honesty, and respect. And Jeff and I still have that to today. You know, he, he is one of the people that, that, that I, I respect the most. 
you know, we're always honest with one another and, and I feel like I could trust him no matter what. And in your lifetime, you don't get that many opportunities to work with a group of people like that, where, where as a group, you really are, you know, that they, they say over and over again, you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or whatever. And that was really true with the rainbow warriors. And we hit the sweet spot in NASCAR where people hadn't thought about a lot of things yet. We, we, we took things like unsprung weight and pit stops and efficiency and drive trains and, and pit strategy. We actually wrote, uh, hand wrote, you know, uh, the, the possibilities of cautions coming out and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we took that into a different level engineering wise. And at that time, there was really so much low hanging fruit that, that timing, timing was everything. And I tell everybody all the time, like time, timing has so much to do with it. You know, Jeff Gordon was perfect for me. And then we had a guy like Rick Hendrick who gave us just, just everything we needed and, and believed in us. And we were doing things different than his other teams. And he was already very successful and, and people would tell him, Hey, those guys are crazy. Why are you letting them do that? But yet he let us, he let us do it. You know, he let us do things with shock absorbers and pit crews and, and change the whole way they were building cars based on what Jeff and I wanted. And, you know, again, when you look at that six or seven years that we were together, I think Jeff and I were together for uh, 216 starts total. And uh, we won 47 of those races. Do, Ray, do you think some of that success for you guys and that thing outside the box, you were a guy from New Jersey and Jeff was a guy from Vallejo, California. I mean, you guys were not good old boys of the South um, in NASCAR. And it was dominated before you guys by, by gentlemen who were pr primarily from the South. And, and had, you know, NASCAR was its own little ecosystem. And I think you came with very fresh thinking and Jeff came in with very fresh thinking. Do you think that had a little something to do with your success as well? I think it did. You know, when, but again, you look at stuff, guys that opened the door for us are guys like Jeff Bodine. Jeff Bodine came down with some pretty uh, unique thinking in, in the early eighties and opened up a lot of doors for us. Um, but I don't know that Jeff had the personality to win people over and, and where, when Jeff and I came down, you know, I, I feel like we didn't really kick the door, but we, we kept knocking on it until they, in, in, until they opened it. And we were with, as I said, a, a car owner that was willing to change, um, because they had been done for certain ways for so, for so long. And you got to remember, I came from the Penske organization and at the Penske organization with IROC, we actually did all of the radial tire testing and we did all of the Penske shock and, and, uh, all of that shock testing for owner serviceable, rebuildable shocks. And right about the time Jeff and I got together, they switched all the cup cars to radial tires. They, they allowed those shocks and aerodynamics became a very, very big part of what was going on. So again, you know, it, it was timing. And those guys would, they, they, they didn't believe that shock absorbers could make a big change, right? And you tell a, a NASCAR guy, hey, look, if you change that tire one, one or two pounds of air pressure, it's going to make a big difference. It'd be like, you idiot, there's no way. You know what I mean? They just, because back then it was all about stagger and putting this and that. And, and like, we'd come in and say, hey, put a pound in the right front. And they'd be like, what the hell is that going to do? <laughs> you know, like, oh, with a radial tire, it's going to make a big difference, you know, or camber and all those things. So yeah. you, all of those things combined, as I said, it was, it was the perfect storm, if you will, for us. And then we, you know, we were just a bunch of racer guys and didn't, we didn't know how much we didn't know. And then all of a sudden we get with Rick Hendrick, who has the resources to give us the tools that we couldn't afford ourselves. 
and it took us about a year and a half to really to really hit go you know like we really right about the time we when we won the 600 in 94 may of 94 you know it it was on and then when we we helped chevrolet build the new 95 monte carlo and then we just started winning championships how many how many championships did you guys win uh, Jeff and I won three together. He won four. He won one without me. We missed the other one. We should have won four in a row, but we had two mechanical issues back to back and uh, our teammate won it. So it wasn't terrible because it was still our cars, you know, Terry Labonte and Hendrick, H Hendrick won it. But, uh, you know, we, we had a, we had a good run there. We had, uh, in that 216 starts, I think we had 105 top five finishes. We set a record for like 25 top five finishes in a row. Wow. It's, you guys took over and that, and that was so entertaining to me. And then, and then of course, you know, the cameras were on you constantly because, you know, all this stuff is happening and you're, you're calling the shots. I mean, you know, it, it, it was great to, to see all that stuff happen. And of course the sponsor was a good sponsor too. I mean, you know, and, 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 and owning an auto body shop and a restoration shop to see a, a paint sponsor on a car was, you know, and of course they weren't just paying, of course, but, uh, they, they did everything chemical, but still it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And DuPont, you know, they were one of the, the, um, it was really cool the way they, they changed the way sponsorship was looked at. They brought in a lot of body shops. And again, it was all based on how much paint was sold, came in sponsorship. They activated for the racing. They got dealers involved and, and they were able to measure their return on investment. And it was, a, you know, again, it was a, it was a, it was a, a great run when I look back at that and think, you know, I mean, I was really fortunate to be part of, you know, got to work with some, some great people from the, you know, you know, not just the, the, the Hendrick side, but from the NASCAR side, when you look at who was there doing a lot of different things as well, that was, you know, Mike Helton was, was basically, you know, his reign and, and Bill Jr. And, you know, watching what DuPont did to grow that sponsorship set the bar for what the other sponsors did in the sport from then on. So what's, uh, what's the next thing for Ray Evernham? I mean, you know, Ray Evernham has been a Pike's peak. He's raced about everything in the world. And, uh, is Bonneville maybe in the future? Um, that's on my bucket list. There's two, two things, you know, there's, there's, there's a few things on my, on, on my bucket list that haven't done it. Right. I'm not, uh, I've been to Bonneville and shot some TV, but I've not experienced it at home competitively. So I would like to do that. Um, I would also like to experience Le Mans competitively that that's one of the ones on my, uh, on my bucket list. Uh, you know, and I want to go to Goodwood, never, never been to Goodwood. So, uh, want to go to Goodwood, but we're, I've, I've got a couple of cars on the design board right now. Um, I've, I'm going to go back to Pike's peak at some point and we'll have another driver do that. But I, but uh, I want to design my own car that can win the open wheel class. Uh, very competitive class, but uh, I, I've got a pretty trick design on the board right now. Um, I've spoken to those people. I stay in touch with them. Uh, and uh, so there will be, I don't know how soon it's going to happen, but there will be another Pikes Peak attempt with one of our cars. Not sure, uh, not sure who we're going to put behind the wheel yet. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just playing. I'm selling a bunch of my cars. Uh, they're, they're going through the Mecham auction at, at Indy. And I'm really going to start. Uh, over Wayne, I felt, you know, like I've had a great run collecting and doing whatever, but I enjoy the hunt like you, I enjoy finding the car. I like to bring it back to life. I like to do the research and, you know, we've got a lot of really cool cars to share with people. And I, I want to get out and find some, I want to find some more stories. Now, the one thing I want to ask you though, Ray, 
as I understand, you became uh, a voice um, in one of the uh, one of the Cars movies. Is that true? It it is. You know, Jay Jay and his group came uh, through Charlotte, and they were looking at ideas and things, and um, so they came to my shop and looked at, at 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 some of the cars, and we had great conversations. And then I think Jeff Gordon and I actually went out and and uh, and spoke with with you guys at Pixar for a little bit about about how we communicated. Then Aaron and I went out and really just, uh, you know, was kind of a, an ambassador with the movie and, and uh, Jay and, and the group there said, hey, let, let's give them a few lines in that. So I got to play a little bit of a bad guy. I, I was uh, Ray Reverham, who was uh, Jackson Storm's crew chief. So we made a little bit of fun of, uh, uh, of Lightning McQueen and, and things, but it was a great, great experience for me. And I can tell you that with everything that I've done in my life, time uh that my my younger cousins my children people that that's way bigger than anything you know the fact that i could have won 10 championships with jeff gordon but i i, I was in cars three so it was really really uh really a, a, an incredible experience and i don't know if if, if he'd worked much you know actually you've worked with jay but the people at pixar you know just incredible people they were honestly one of the best working experiences that i that i've had in my life we and jay and i did a little road show you know preparing for the movie john and i did a little show at, at sonoma but incredibly it just just an incredible experience you know raising good company we've had lewis hamilton was in that movie i mean we we've had mario andretti in the first movie we've had richard petty in a number of the movies all these these legends of raising michael schumacher did a voice and, it, and you just look and you go how did we get all these people and it's awesome because there is a mutual admiration between I think what we do and in the car world. And, and it's, it's awesome that we've met these people. I just went to Alex Exidius's hundredth birthday and it was him and Ed Iskandarian, who's a hundred, almost 101. And they're talking about the last time the flatheads were dominant at Bonneville in 1952 before the Hemi came in. And I go, I'm hearing this firsthand. This isn't in a book. We are so, like you said, Ray, we're so fortunate that we live in this time and we're meeting these legends. Cause when they're gone, it's like World War II vets. When they're gone, they're gone. And then it's just books and videos at that point. So we're, we're blessed. I'm saying, I'm saying that that's just the greatest honor that those guys can give to you oh, yeah. is their time. Like they, they're, they're, the, the, to me, that's when it. somebody takes that time, they're saying to you, I respect you enough to sit and give you my time. I could be talking to a thousand people. So that, that's, uh, as I said, really, really blessed. And that, that's again, a neat story. And every time I get a chance to get with one of those guys, I ask them so many questions that by the time we're done, they never invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of time, we're, we're about out of time, but one thing I just thought about, Ray, that would be really cool, you know, as Wayne and Matt and I are going forward with this, with this podcast, it'd be great to have you on every now and then just to talk about racing and what's going on in the car racing world, because I can't think of a person who's better connected at so many levels than you. So if you'd be into coming back every now and then for a little bit of what we want to call racing with Ray, what, what do you think? Would you be interested in doing that with us? Yeah, love to, love to do it. You know, and, and again, it. It may not be anything specific, but what, what's happening in the racing world and what we're doing. But look, look, love to talk cars with you guys. So call me anytime. You just let me know and, and, and I'll be available. Next show we go together, we'll do a Racing with Race segment live from, from okay. uh, one of the locations we go to. So let's try to get that together. Maybe it's just Pebble Beach this year uh, where we get together. And, uh, you know, that's something I, I have a, a panel discussion to do. Maybe we bring our show on the road and we do our podcast live in, in front of a bunch of group of people and we interview and we have racing with Ray right there. How's that? 
That's awesome. Awesome. I think because I'll, I'll be out there this year. I'm going to, we're going to do the Monterey thing this year. So I will be out there. Oh, great. Great. Well, thank, thanks to Ray and Matt and Jay uh, for being here today. And, uh, and we're going to move on to our next, next segment of the show, but let's get this together and have some, uh, some racing with Ray at, at, at Monterey. Sounds great. A new car. A new car. Oh my gosh. So this is the segment where we talk about the cars we're driving during the week. And I got to thank New England Motor Press Association, Bugsy Lawler, and all the manufacturers for allowing me to drive cars and, and comment on them. And, and I know that you've got the same circumstance. Who, who is uh, your car supplier? Absolutely. For me over here on the West Coast, it's Page One Auto Supply, which has been fantastic at bringing new, exciting, fun cars to me every week. So thanks to Page One for that. So Jay, I'm driving the new Ford Maverick this week. Great truck. Isn't that a great truck? So, I mean, we've got a hybrid truck with a little four-cylinder engine in it. Now, mine's a two-wheel drive, just a standard little pickup truck, but there's so many cool things about it. It's it's hard to think that that Ford can build a truck for the low cost that it is in, in the low 20s. Yeah. And, and supply a four-passenger vehicle with a pickup truck bed that if you lay the tailgate down at a certain angle, you can slide several sheets of eight foot plywood in the back. Yeah. And what are you averaging for fuel mileage? I, you know, I just got it yesterday, uh, but uh, the needle has not moved off of full. Well, I'll tell you, I drove a Maverick from San Francisco to Los Angeles and back and I averaged 38 miles to the gallon. I mean, like Honda Civic gas mileage and a little truck. I was blown away. And you're right. Tons of room inside. The, the, the bed will work for things like a motorcycle or lumber. Like you're, you know, what you're basically going to do. You're not going to move a whole friend's house with it or pull a boat. But for what you need it for, for around town, I think it's a fantastic vehicle. You know, it's got that little extension that goes off the back of the tailgate so that things don't slide out. So you actually can put the tailgate down for a little more room. And yet it's got that guard that comes down so that nothing slides out. I actually had an engine in the back of mine uh, on a pallet this morning and it worked perfectly. I took it over to the rebuild shop and, and it worked. Well, you know, you were talking about this thing starting. I think it starts more like in the mid, mid to high 20s. But, but honestly, for the money, crazy bang for the buck. And you can tell they did some cost savings, but in a really smart way. You know, they, they made less panels and less pieces and less doodads, but it doesn't feel cheap. To me, it felt very well put together, just a little bit more simple or Spartan, but it works. Yep. And, and so uh, I, th I think they're going to do really well. What are you driving this week, Jay? Well, I'm, I'm in a different world this week. I, I'm into EVs this week. And I, you know, you and I have talked a few times about Kia really starting to knock it out of the park, both in terms of design and style, but also in the way they ride. And I've got the brand new Kia EV6 Wind, the rear wheel drive version, and it is dynamite. I mean, it looks cool. The styling is fantastic. It's styled in California and it looks like it. And it looks like a, it looks like a million bucks. I mean, really a nice car starts somewhere in the high 40s. Um, but wow, it does everything very, very well. You know, I had I had the Hyundai version of that and, and a really great car. Um, the Ionic. Stylish, the Ionic. The Ionic 5. Really great car. Um, no, still not sold on the battery thing yet, but, uh, but they're, they're getting better and better all the time. Yeah, here's my one thing I did not like about the EV6 Wind. In their way of doing less buttons on the dash, there's a lower panel with two physical knobs. So this would be your, your volume and your tuning knob. Or if you slide this little thing in the middle, it turns into your HVAC controls and it turns the seat temp up. 
So you're driving along and you want to turn up the radio and you accidentally paw at the button and all of a sudden you turn the car up to 85 degrees and the radio is still quiet. <laughs> why, why am I sweating and why can't I hear these guys? <laughs> why is my butt hot? Yeah. yeah, you turn into an oven when you just want to hear what the guy was saying. Other than that, I, I think it's really great. But it's one of those things where they're trying to do new things with styling. And I learned just use the steering wheel controls for volume. Don't touch the dash. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, yeah. I can't wait to see what we're driving next week. Yeah, that's it for new cars for now. Jay, what a great show we had this week. Uh, fantastic guest with Ray Evernham. Uh, we're going to have great events going on at Pebble Beach. I've got a few events. Misslewood, uh, I do. And then I'm uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania the following weekend. There's a lot of things happening before we get to, to uh, Pebble Beach this year. But... Let's just uh, let's just hope that we can do this again next week, and we'll be recording our sessions uh, down at Pebble Beach too. So uh, maybe you can give us a little idea who's going to be there. Yeah. By the way, we do have some great guests. Again, that's going to be Saturday at three o'clock at the Equestrian Center. Come see us if you can. We've got some fantastic people joining us on stage, including. Ray Evernham will be one of our guests there. Ray will be there. Um, we're also going to have Chip Foose. If you don't know who Chip Foose is, automotive legend will be there, hopefully along with Chris Jacobs, his old partner from the uh, from his overhauling days. And I'm really excited that we have Ant Anstead coming with Jensen Button. That's right, 2009 Formula One champion Jensen Button will be joining him. Uh, we have Tori Bellici. So if you ever watched Mythbusters, Tori was on there and he's got a Motor Mythbuster show right now. I mean, the guest list goes on and on, but we're going to be having these guys come up two at a time doing a Johnny Carson interview, like Wayne said, and it should be a lot of fun. So I hope you guys join us there. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you there and we'll see you guys next week. See you on the road. See you on the road. Since we switched to Quaker State Motor Oil, we've been very successful. So when my crew chief said, check it out, Jeff, three synthetics from Quaker State. Why change a good thing? Different engines can need different protection. Quaker State knows that. Well, we tested them. And guess what? Now we're winning with the same oil you can buy at the store. Quaker State, the choice is clear. Receive free roadside assistance coverage when you purchase Quaker State.